0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Ooh, you can dance, you can
1: dance,
2: the welcome in, welcome in. Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN on this Saturday afternoon kind of overclassed and gloomy. Hopefully this show will not be that. A lot to get to this afternoon. Um, We'll spend uh, the first hour talking about uh, the Knicks and some NBA big game tonight for uh, Steph Curry. Right? Ten three-pointers needed to break Ray Allen's record. And uh, there's a lot of prop bets out there that you could jump on I wrote a column for ESPN that I'll share with you in this hour. I do want to dive into that. Ian Begley is going to join us in about 25 minutes. Uh, let's let's get into some Knicks talk. Yes, we must. Unfortunately, they lose to the Raptors last night, 90-87. to 87. Uh, Impressive that they were down by 20, still came back, had a chance to win, right? Like uh, a three-point game winner that kind of rimmed out for Julius Randle, but that has been the story of the season for him, has it not? So we'll get into some Knicks. We'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Also, big week for the NFL. Slated games are just unbelievable. I mean, some really, like, I don't think I've been, I'd say, I won't say this is the most exciting slate of the season as we head into week 14, but I'll I'll put it up there in the top three for sure. Um, I mean, Bills and Bucks. Rams and, and Cardinals. So uh, two to me that, that I think are, are Ravens and Browns. The the playoff picture is becoming more and more clear, right? Um, obviously, as it always does. Again, we're in week 14. I know the season is uh, flown by. So there are so many games tomorrow that are just so important in regards to the landscaped of the postseason, who's in, who's out. It's gonna be very competitive. It's gonna come down to week 17, that's for sure. And then um and then the seeding is going to be interesting because again we've got seven teams now, not just six. And so that's gonna be fun. But anyway, uh so again we've got Ian Begley who's gonna be joining us at twelve thirty. Uh, Cynthia Freeland is always at one thirty. We'll talk some NFL. We'll get her thoughts in regard to the Giants, the latest there if you haven't heard is that uh, Mike Glennon is feeling better. Looks like he is going to pass concussion protocol and start for the Giants against the Chargers tomorrow. As for the Jets, they're home, they're hosting the the Saints and uh, and Taysom Hill, who, of course, if you listen to me, you know that I'm a huge Taysom Hill fan club. Uh, Not only am I the president, but I started the Taysom Hill fan club. Mike Triplett, who covers the Saints for ESPN, is going to join us on the show as well and give us some insight in regard to Taysom Hill how he's utilized. Um, Alvin Kamara is expected back tomorrow against the Jets. Um, and also what's the future? You know, we, we gotta talk about the landscape of the NFL when it comes to the quarterback situation because the Giants might be involved in one of those teams, right? Like this week we heard Russell Wilson reports uh that Russell will there was one report out there um that Russell Wilson would be willing to quote unquote waive his trade clause for three specific teams in the NFL. The Giants, the Denver Broncos, and the Saints. Hence, Wilson spoke to the media, I want to say it was yesterday, and said that that, that he doesn't want to comment on that. Uh, That's total speculation. But, you know, could the Giants, should the Giants consider possibly going after somebody like Russell Wilson? Maybe somebody like... Aaron Rodgers, we'll see what happens. I mean, listen, there's a great chance that the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl this year. One would argue, and I think you can make a solid argument, that they're the best team in the NFL. You could argue, I mean, there's a lot of parity this season. One could argue the Arizona Cardinals. I'm sure many would argue the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucs. You imagine Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl for the Green Bay Packers and then wants to leave, wants out? If he does go, I just, I I kind of, I envision him going to like, can you see Aaron Rodgers on the Pittsburgh Steelers? I can. But anyway, so, uh, and also, uh, as always, on Saturday, Joe Wiz is going to be joining us at 2.30 this afternoon. He's got his own gambling show here on 98.7 ESPN, so we'll get his picks and his plays. Uh, We are, you know, embarking into the bowl season when it comes to college football, so that's fun as well. We'll have a click or don't click. We've got both Ty and Jake who are producing the show, and they lead the way for what is trending uh, at some point in time in the next three hours. But in regards to the Knicks, eight hundred nine 919 3776 Let's dive into it. As we know, listen, uh, they lost to the Raptors last night, 90-87. to 87. Were they? In, uh, did they have a chance to win? Yes, they did. I- I'm going to start with the positives. I don't want to be a neg- negative Nelly right off the bat, okay? Um, did they have a chance to win? Yes. Did they come down? They were down by 20. Did they come back? And yeah, that's that's admirable. You got to like that. You know, Julius Randle had a, ch- a shot. He had an opportunity. Finished with 13 points, 12, 14 rebounds. So he put up a double-double. Toppin put on uh, put up a double-double last night as well. 19 points, 10 rebounds. Possibly his best game as a Knick. So you got to like that. Um, you know, R.J. Barrett, very disappointing, goes back home to, you know, Toronto and unfortunately doesn't have, I think, the game that he was hoping to have with 19 points. The Knicks, here's another positive. The Knicks, their bench scored 20, the Knicks bench alone scored 20 points in the second quarter, more than the Raptors starters scored in the second quarter. So there's a lot of positives here that you can walk away with, individual positives in regard to the game. But the fact of the matter lies that the Knicks are 2-6 and six in their last eight games. They're 12-14 and 14 on the season. And keep in mind, so far up to this point, they have played the fifth easiest schedule in the NBA, the fifth easiest schedule. So what is wrong? What is wrong? What has gone wrong? And, and can it be corrected? I I don't know. You know, Stephen A. Smith, of course, I know we know how passionate he is uh, with the Knicks and and what a huge fan he, he is. I I was, I was watching a a video online um, from from him uh, on ESPN earlier this morning and you know he made some excellent points, you know. Um, <laughs> and it start it started with, I guess, a game or two ago where Toppin had the uh, beneath the the leg through the knees dunk, and the Knicks bench just erupted and they went crazy and they were celebrating. And Stephen A. Smith kind of like picked up from there and was like, "What are you celebrating for? You're 12 and 14. You're at that point in time they were 12 and 13. You're 12 and 13." You haven't won two straight games back-to-back since October. Stephen A. made the point, Julius Randle had the entire offseason to work on his right hand and didn't do it. R.J. Barrett, you know, you're hoping that, you know, that that three-point shooting percentage could last. He's shooting 35% from behind the arc, 40% from the field. It's mediocre basketball mediocre basketball against the fifth easiest schedule in the NBA and obviously the bigger picture and, and, and this is really because I don't think anybody was expecting the Knicks obviously to come into the season and win a championship, right? But you wanted to see the Knicks do better. You wanted to see them take a step up from last year so that next year and the year after when now you're, we're we're going to have some really big name free agents want to come here. That's really, let's be honest, that's really been the storyline here for the last several years, has it not? Getting the Knicks to a place where they're just, they're they're good enough and they're impressive enough that New York now becomes a landing spot for some of the big name players to come here and want to play here and make the Knicks relevant again. I mean, are the Knicks relevant? Yeah, I mean, again, they're mediocre. I call it purgatory, right? Like, You're 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 not great enough where you really have a shot of winning a championship, but you're not bad enough where it's like impossible for you to make it to the postseason. Right. Like I call that purgatory. You're kind of you're 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 stuck in the middle. And is that going to attract some of the big name free agents that potentially are going to make some important decisions in the next year or two? I don't think so. 800-919-3776 eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six we get back, we'll dive into you know what 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 is wrong. I, I truly believe and, and I'll get into it a little bit more um, in, in a little bit more detail and, and I said this before, I, I feel that the moves that the organization made by relinquishing their defensive prowlness, is that even a word? And focusing more on the offense and the players that they went out and brought in changed the role of Julius Randle and it is not working. And I don't know if, I don't know, you know, there's certain players, it's like, this is who they are. Right? Like, circle in in a square. Like, you can't fit it. Like, this is who that player is. So, you know, do, do the Knicks sit back and go, okay, well, we brought in Fournier, we brought in... Uh, Kimball Walker, it's not working. The offense and the scheme that we want to run here isn't working. It's not fitting our guy, who's Julius Randle. The offense is still supposed to run through him, but it's not. This offense is 15th in scoring efficiency. So, you know, do they 86 that and, and make other moves during the season to get back into their winning ways and, and maybe focus even more on defense? possibility will that correct things I don't know
0: you're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN
2: same old story same old Knicks 800 let's get to your calls let's go to the Knicks struggling Don who wants to talk about that in the car Don welcome in
3: um good morning Anita hi yeah long-suffering Knicks fan here I'm sorry um I just have a, a few comments What the the Knicks really lack is consistency. So we see flashes of greatness from certain players, but we don't see consistent production. Relying on any one of the players to come in and be the savior when we're down 20 points is not how you get to the postseason, and it's certainly not how you win a championship. Julius Randle is nice, but he's not that guy. He's not KD. He's not Steph Curry. He's not Damian Lillard. He's not—I don't know what people think he is. But I think we've seen all that he's capable of, and we can't really expect a whole lot more from him.
2: Yeah, so I'm with you.
3: Some consistency. We're not going anywhere.
2: I'm with you, Don. I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. And, and and I agree with you. But here's the thing: I don't think anything. I don't think anyone thinks. That Julius Randle is is I call him an alpha. I don't think I don't think anyone thinks Julius Randle is one of those alpha basketball players. But what I do think went wrong here is I think I think the the offensive strategy and what the Knicks front office thought would be created here with the addition of Fournier and, and, and Walker, it hasn't materialized. And I believe that the reason that hasn't happened is because Julius Randle can't necessarily play. It's not, it's not, it, you know, it's what did we hear about Carmelo Anthony all the time? Half court player, half court player. Didn't work in the triangle when Phil was here, right? Why? Half court player. Not his, not, not his, not his groove. There's certain players that, you know, and I, I know I'm, I'm comparing apples and oranges here when you talk NBA and NFL, but I feel the same way about the NFL. You know, you, you, you can't take, you can't take, um, you, you can't take Andy Dalton and have him play in the offense that you're calling for, for Justin Fields, and vice versa. So, you know, if Julius Randle was going to be your your the guy that the offense was going to run through, maybe do a better job in regard to understanding where his strengths and weaknesses are, and then going out and being aggressive in regard to bringing in the talent needed that will accentuate that as opposed to saying, okay, well, here's the offense we're going to run and Julius, this is how we're going to change it up this year. But on top of that, the Knicks sacrifice defense. And it's just not working. It's not working. Let's go to Earl in the car. Earl, welcome in.
4: Earl, blessings. Can you hear me? I
2: I can, Earl. Thank you.
1: Oh, man. Listen, I want to say two things. I agree with you about Julius Randle. He is not that guy. He did well last year. But the main thing I want to say is I think Thibodeau should be fired for his lack of offense, and um, or move to just defensive coach because Obi Toppin is the best draft pick in a long time. Why is he chucking threes? He is a mismatch every day, all day in the post. Run the yeah. He's roll, so fast. He's post. so his first is, step
2: is so fast.
1: He's a bad man. Like take yeah, he advantage is. of his skill set. Why you have him sitting out, chucking threes? And why don't we have a point guard that can go to the hole and finish? Why is Derrick Rose going to the hole and not knowing what to do when he's right in the middle and throwing back out to the three pointers? Obi Toppin is just sitting out on the three pointer. What is going on with the offensive coaching? What am I doing? What am I looking at? It's it's yeah, it is.
2: Earl, thanks for the call. And it it is solid. It's a solid point. It's a solid complaint. I just, again, I I think this organization went in, this team went in thinking of one offensive identity. It's not working, and now they're grasping at straws, and they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure it out. And it just doesn't look like there's a rhyme or reason right now. And on top of the fact that, again, they're just not playing as good defense as they did last season. Let's go to James in Jersey. James, welcome in. Good afternoon.
1: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, last year when we had Reggie and Elwood, we had defense, but lack of offense. But Mitchell Robinson and Noel Noel could do their job defensively. Now they're being the ones scapegoated to look bad when it was really Kevin and and, and Evan's fault of defensively. And and I I put this back on the front office. You had cap space and you had draft picks. And the draft picks you could have got a small forward and you could have got a point guard. And all the draft picks can't help you this season. And and that and I feel like you wasted cap space. DeMar DeRozan was available and he's got the Bulls to you know, number two. And there's some, sometimes when I watch them play I c and I say to myself, could if Woodson had would have stayed, could that have been the offensive mind Because it seems like uh uh they're just they're just stagnant offensively. In and, and I I feel like, you know, if, sometimes I feel like if Coach Woodson would have stayed as a um, you know assistant, that you know there could have been some kind of balance offensively because we're just, it's like he just said a defensive minded guy and we're stagnant offensively. Yeah,
2: I, I mean, mean James, that- it's it's got to and I appreciate the call. It's it's it, something's got to give, something's got to change, and um, you know one would one would imagine right? Okay, well the Knicks sacrificed better defensive players to bring in better offensive players because they wanted to improve their offense and, and maybe they relied too much in regard to Tibbs as a defensive genius and his scheming and his play calling in regard to defense thinking, okay, well, you know, even though we're, we're losing some talent, but we've got arguably one of the best coaches in the NBA when it comes to uh, defense in the NBA, maybe they relied on that too much. Let's go to Jimmy in Staten Island. Jimmy, you're up.
5: Hey, Amita, how are you doing? I uh, want to wish you happy holidays, first things first.
2: Oh, thank you. Um, when it comes,
5: no problem. Uh, when it comes down to the Knicks, I think the first thing is uh, that their identity, yes, they're definitely having an identity, identity crisis. But I also think that uh, a lot of teams are now, like last year, when you had last year, you know, they would cancel them out. They look at the schedule, they see the Knicks, they'll say, you know what, you know, they'll blow right by them. But now this year, a lot of teams are circling them. They're also, the East is it's not weak anymore, you know, you got Chicago, you have Cleveland, you got Charlotte, like, those teams that weren't good last year, they actually stepped their game up, you know, so um, I think that's, like, that's going to have to, the Knicks are going to have to, you know, figure something out as soon as possible, and, like, lastly, I mean, like, Plenty of Colts was saying, like, Julius is not that guy, so I I honestly think that they need to figure this out within the next couple weeks, or they're going to see themselves outside the playoffs, Um, and thank you. (laughs) No,
2: you got it. Thanks for the call.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
2: I'm just kind of in a fog today. Um, my building had a little scare of carbon monoxide poisoning, so um, I'm uh, I'm a little loopy this morning. But uh, but I'm here. I am here. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six let's take your calls like I said uh let's go to Jack in Morristown Jack wants to talk about the Knicks and their struggles Jack welcome in good afternoon
6: hey, hey thanks for taking my call happy holidays and sleep with the window cracked
2: yeah um, oh that's what I that's what I did last night I was freezing my behind right, off cool. my dogs were my right. dogs were, were we were all sitting here freezing but yeah I mean you know we wanted to live to see another day so that's what we did thank you Jack
6: yeah, All right. Cool. <laughs> um. Let me preface my comment by saying I'm not a Knicks fan. I'm a Lakers fan since 79. But I'll say this. I watch the Knicks all the time. And I think real knowledgeable Knicks fans, uh, really, they don't want to splash. They need to get a player who can create for himself and other people. Like, uh, and they got to go young. they got to see if they can get a De'Aaron Fox or a Colin Sexton or somebody like that and build up on that. Because, and I'll say this, I'll end with this because I don't want to be too long. Mm-hmm. Don't get Dane Lillard because it's a splash. Dane Lillard is a great player, but that'll be good for two or three years, and then it'll be Carmelo all over again. Get somebody young, Colin Sexton, De'Aaron Fox, and then just build from that. You need guys that can create their own shots and create for others who are under 25. Thanks for taking my call. Happy holidays.
2: Same to you, Jack. Let's go to Steve in Long Island. Steve, welcome in.
1: Hi, Anita. How you doing? Okay. Uh, I'm calling because there's a lot of Knicks fans out there. They're delusional. They really think that the Knicks are going to do something great. Like the Knicks are never going anywhere. It's like watching the Jets and the Knicks. It's like the same thing. Just like Ian said when he said about Stephen A. Smith catching a heart attack, that's the type of team I call them, a heart attack team. Every time me and my friends be watching it, they all hype, like, yeah, the Knicks are going to come back. And then I look at them, all of them is just like shocked In shock, Knicks is not winning. They're not going. I tell them, stop believing in the Knicks. The Knicks is never going anywhere. We go. This is the same thing when Carmelo was around. Everybody was hyped that J.R. Smith got six-man of the year and they hype about it. Like, yeah. I'm like, that's what you hype about? Like, come on, man. The Knicks are never going anywhere. They're never going to do anything that's good for them. So let's just, everybody, stop, you know, thinking that the Knicks is going to do something and just let's represent for the Brooklyn Nets. I know everybody in the Tri-State, like people in Queens, can't rep for Brooklyn. But just come along, enjoy the ride, and you will get a championship in New York with the Nets.
2: Yeah, that uh, Steve. I appreciate the call, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's not going to sit well. That's, <laughs> screw the Knicks. Just jump on the Nets bandwagon, enjoy the ride. Yeah, that's, that, that's, uh, that's not going to fly very well. So, um, and again, I, I, I don't, listen, I don't believe this is a quick fix for the Knicks. And I don't think the organization thinks that. And I don't think the majority of the fan base thinks that. I think this is a slow build. I think this is a process. You know the disappointing thing is you you really you liked what you saw from them last season and you wanted to see them build off of it. You know, unfortunately, and and Ian Begley, who was just on with us, and again has his finger on the pulse of this team better than anyone, or most, agrees with me. I think the organization made the front office made some wrong decisions. I won't call them poor decisions. Listen. All of us in life, right? We sometimes we make decisions, we decide to do something, it doesn't pan out. But you know what you do? You pivot. You don't, you know, you don't you you, you you know you don't be stubborn on it. You see that it's not working out, you still have some time in the season to make some noise. Pivot, do something different. It's not working, change what you're doing. Okay. Let's go to Alan in Uniondale. Alan, welcome in.
1: Hey, what's going on, Anita? It's been a while. Hope you're good. Hope my mom is good. Mama, <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, but, uh, yeah, let's get into this next talk. Yeah, I don't want Damian Lillard. I like what that guy said. Darren Fox, right? We need a young player. Like, I feel Damian Lillard is just a patch on a stinking boat, and we don't need a patch. We need a quick, we need a whole, you know, a whole a setup, a new foundation.
2: Here's, yeah, here's the thing, good. though. Here's the thing, Alan. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, you know, how many teams out there that are competing, um, you know, are are doing it with just homegrown talent, Mm, right? Like a handful, a third,
3: a a third, maybe,
2: you know what I mean? Like it's not many. So, you know, and, and, and I understand, and Alan, thanks for the phone call. I understand what you're saying. Here's my, here, and, and I'm not sitting here saying that the Knicks should trade for Damian Lillard. I, 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 playing GM in the NBA on this show is above my pay grade. Okay, but what I am saying is I do believe if they were to bring in Damian Lillard, I do believe that there'd be a number of other players who'd want to come here. You know, right now Knicks are taking a step back in regard to the appeal of being here. The Knicks have made so many wrong decisions pertaining to the draft for so many years that like, I I just I, I feel like they're behind the eight ball. So you know, to me, that's the caveat of bringing Damian Lillard here is that you bring him here and now you... I do believe Damian... Uh, Damian Lillard is probably one of my favorite NBA players. And you bring him here, I think that he will attract other big-name players to come here. But, you know, obviously, you know, what 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 will you be giving up? I mean, obviously, you, you're... I would imagine, you know the word on the street is that he's not available, but let's be honest. Everything has a price, right? Everything has a price. I just think the asking price is going to be, um, astronomical. And, and are, are the Knicks willing to pay that? Time will tell. Uh, let's go to D in Queens. D welcome in.
6: What's going on? Um, the Nets got to get rid of Kyrie Irving because this, this is the thing that no one's talking about. They might lose James Harden, and then they're going to end up with nothing because of Kyrie Irving and his antics. Like, you know, Kyrie Irving made Durant come here, and he made James Harden blow up the Houston Rockets to come here, and now he's leaving them both high and dry and talking about he's happy in life and yada, yada, yada. Like, yo, trade do. Indiana wants to do a fire sale. I think the dude, the, um, the center... One of their centers would be perfect on the net and just give some role players and call it a day.
2: But here's the thing, D. I, I, and I said this months ago. I said this months ago when this all went down. But here's the thing. I think you have, I, I think you have a, a, a small percentage of teams that want to make that deal because do, do you want him on like do you want to deal with that? And also keep in mind, there are other states. And other cities, I don't know what the, the 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 rule the the law is, but like whether it's state cities that you know won't kind of abide by the same thing that the Brooklyn Nets are in in New York is is dealing with. So that eliminates yeah, another media that media elimi- media. that eliminates a number that you eliminates media. another a, a number of teams, and then you've got a number of teams who are like, "Do I want this headache on my roster?"
6: But I, you I, can I don't see it in press conferences. James Harden is pissed. He's like people talking about he, you know, he didn't come here for all of this. He's pissed, and he's holding his tongue for now.
2: I, I'm sure, and D, I appreciate the phone call, but dude, I I said this months ago. I said this when the season began, and you know, and again, I understand where Kyrie is coming from. You know, he's trying. He he wants to make a statement. He wants to stand strong with those less fortunate who had to get the COVID. Nineteen vaccine, because they were forced to because of work and they couldn't afford to be unemployed. Where he can't afford to be unemployed, I understand his stance, and you want to say it's noble? Okay, all right, I'll respect that. But he is screwing over his friends, who came here to play with him. He's putting this message. He's putting this stand. He's putting this notion. This. Again, I'm a loss for words today. I don't know. Maybe it's the carbon monoxide. Before the team and before the guys that he really went out and and lured to come here and play with him. So, yeah, I mean, listen, if I was Harden, I'd be pissed too. I'd be pissed too. I mean, damn. Let's go to uh, Sanjay. Sanjay, welcome in.
4: Hi, need Hi. Hi, Anita. Thank you for taking the call. I'm a lifelong Knicks fan, suffering since 1975. I'm and sorry. I'll also, let's see yeah, that's okay. Uh, I just heard Ian Begley talk about Reggie Bullock and Alfred mm-hmm. Dayton. I would have to respectfully and completely disagree with that. I mean, if they were one or two games better, even if we had them, that still does nothing for the Knicks in terms of going forward. If you saw what happened in the playoffs last year, they got killed. Neither one could create a shot that totally depended upon somebody else to set them up, and I don't think that's the answer. And I still think it comes down to the coach. The Knicks have a lot of talent, certainly more talent than what we're giving them credit. The bench is completely not utilized properly from what we can all see at all. The Knicks fans know this. And Randall is a turnover machine, especially in the final minutes. He should never be touching the ball. So I'll pause there to see if anybody... You know, if
2: you have any thoughts around that. Yeah, I I mean, they're all, and and Sanjay, thank you for the phone call. Appreciate it. All solid points. Listen, there's a lot that's wrong with this team. There is a lot.
0: This is Click, 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 or Don't. Click, Click, Click. Very simply, here's the headline Are you interested in clicking or not?
2: Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. It's time for Click or Don't Click, a fun way we take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport and find out what is trending at 2.21 p.m. on this Saturday by the headlines. And our producers, Ty and Jake, always lead the way. Gentlemen.
7: Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Mm-hmm. So I actually came across this, and this is actually a, uh, a, a national story. Um, before we get to the Giants, um, this tweet earlier, let me pull it up from Tom Pellicero of the NFL Network. He says, Months of tension surrounding Jaguars coach Urban Meyer has boiled over with multiple run-ins with players and other coaches in recent weeks, renewing questions in league circles about whether Meyer could be out after just one tumultuous season. Now, all season long, we speculated uh, about this because it just didn't feel like the right fit. And you know, no one's. T- it's so funny, right? How it works. Zach Wilson has struggled. You know, it's 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 covered widely. Everyone's talking about. You know, could he be a bust? You know who else has struggled? Hasn't looked good. Trevor Lawrence, but he's playing in Jacksonville, so nobody cares. But your thoughts on uh, Urban Meyer and the, and the situation transpiring in uh, in Jacksonville with the Jacks.
2: Yeah, listen, I, this isn't a surprise to me. Um, you know, I, I when when he was first hired, I went back to my experience when nick saban was hired by the miami dolphins i was in miami i saw it firsthand you know you you have these college coaches that come in and they're treated as like you know gods and you know the world bells down to them and what are they doing they're coaching these young men I don't want to call them boys. They're 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 t- they're coaching these young men who are coming out of high school. They're 17, 18, 19 years old. Everything is yes sir, no sir, jump how high, um dig a hole. Okay, I will. Uh you know, and and you know, they they become with the more and more wins, they become extremely egotistical and they feel that they've got all the power in the world and they're the most powerful men in the world and they're controlling young boys. And then They get a job and they go to the NFL and now you're coaching men and you're coaching men that are making more money than you. And I just, I think it's really hard for guys like that to learn how to coach in the NFL. I I just, I think their ego gets the best of them. They have a coaching style and a coaching way that has worked for them for years and years and years. They coach players that are scared of them, that all they want to do is make them happy and perform for them but the NFL is a different business. NFL is a, is, is a job. It's a job. You know, it's not, it's, it's night and day. And I just, you know, as, as much success as Urban Meyer and Nick Saban have had in college football, their coaching style doesn't fit in the NFL. You, you, can't, you, you can't talk down to men. You can't treat men like boys who are making more money than you and, and feel that they're just as important as you. And their egos are just as big as yours. So uh, this is no surprise to me, and this is exactly how I thought it was going to play out, Ty.
7: Yeah, and just to uh you know put a to, to an end to the uh, football portion of this, um, earlier this week, we saw rumors swirling, courtesy of uh, Jordan Schultz that Russell Wilson would strongly consider waiving his no trade clause uh, to three teams. He mentioned the Broncos, the Saints who come in to MetLife Stadium tomorrow to play the Jets and the New York football Giants. Now, since mm-hmm. then, Russell Wilson has obviously shot down those reports. But if you're the Giants, should you be interested? He's 33 years old, obviously a future Hall of Famer. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league still. I know he's come, He's in the midst of a down season. He's dealt with that um, hand injury that has plagued him. But this is a guy we're talking about. Again, his resume speaks for itself. He's two yards away from being a two, two-time 2 Super Bowl champion he would immediately give the Giants credibility relevancy and especially when you add that 70 uh seventh team to the playoff picture the Giants would be in the you know would be in the running for that so if you're the Giants would you go out there and explore a potential trade for Russell Wilson
2: if I'm the Giants I'd love to but here's what the problem is they have no cap space you You got picks though
7: you have you have picks
2: but, but you have picks, but you're still going to have to pay Russell Wilson. The, the Giants' plan right now is try to do as well as you can and try to get out there, get into the postseason, try to win a Super Bowl on a rookie deal. That's where their, their, their money and where their money is tied up in is significant in regard to paying the quarterback next to nothing. And this is the equation. You know, I I mean, I know that Tom Brady is an outlier because the way that he's willing to, you know, construct his, his, his contract and reconstruct and reconstruct and reconstruct. And his agent, you know, works with the teams to make sure that, you know, there's not a big cap hit when it comes to his salary. So he's an outlier. But, you know, the formula for winning a Super Bowl in the NFL, you saw it with Patrick Mahomes. You know, like the formula for winning a Super Bowl in the NFL is you, you, you draft a quarterback and you try to win within that window, that four five, six year window um, of, of your quarterback being on a, on a rookie deal. And that's what the Giants are. And that's, 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 they, they're just, they're, they don't have the cap for it. So, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. Like if I'm the Giants, do I, am I interested in, in Russell Wilson? Hell yeah, I am. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to, I'm going to make the calls. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work the numbers. I'm going to see if I can make it work, but uh, that's, that's going to be, it's going to be something special. You know, you're, you're going to have to have a lot. I don't even know. Like, I, and, and I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are. I didn't sit here and, and, and do my due diligence in regard to where they're at cap space wise and, and where they can tinker. But I highly doubt that it's possible. So it's a double-edged sword answer here. And that is hell. Yeah. You want to, tap your toe in the water and see if you can make Russell Wilson happen here in New York. But at the same time, everything I'm reading and everything I'm hearing is they can't afford it.
8: Well, as a Giants fan, I hope they get Russell Wilson. But wrapping up Click or Don't Click and transitioning from NFL to MLB, uh, my title is The Buck Stops Here. Interested? I'm interested. All right. Well, if you know anything about the word Buck in MLB. That is, of course, Buck Showalter, who has made news lately as the top candidate to become the next Mets manager. And Buck, Walt, uh, buck Showalter seems like he would be the ideal fit. Max Scherzer, who, of course, is the newly acquired uh, star pitcher that the Mets just got, uh, seems to be a big en- endorser of Buck Showalter. So my question for you is, do you believe that the Mets should sign Buck Showalter?
2: Um, I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> Here's 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 what the problem is with the Mets. I mean, you know, there's there's not there's not a lot of people who want to come here and work for them. So if you have a name like Buck Showalter who potentially is is open and willing to want to come here, and now you've got one of your star players who you're paying a lot of money to. <laughs> um, if I saw correctly,
8: o- he's making twenty thousand dollars per pitch next season.
2: Is, it's just it's unbelievable, right? Like. Could you imagine? Even
8: for a ball, if you throw a ball, $20,000. Not too that, bad. Uh,
2: that's just, that's, wow.
8: But I guess the main thing with Buck Showalter is obviously he's a little bit on the older side. He is 65 years old, and there has been this new, you know, theory in Major League Baseball that these older managers can't, you know, succeed in baseball. We clearly saw last year with the Astros and Dusty Baker that that's not necessarily always exactly. the case. But
2: Yeah, but Dusty Dusty's, Dusty's a... Dusty's a different cat. Right. Like, but no, I mean, listen, that's a concern. Like this day and age of, you know, uh, where we are, you know, it's it's beyond millennials now. M- millennials are, are now, you know, towards the what, what's the what's the next gen? Is it Gen X? Gen Z? What is it? Gen something? Gen After some
8: letter at the end of the alphabet.
2: Right. I mean that's now we're heading into that territory in regard to the major, the 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 population, the percentage, uh the bulk pop percentage of professional athletes. And so, yeah, I mean you want a you want a younger manager coach whatever the case may be um who's you know more hip, more in the know and 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 knows how to relate more than anything, knows how to relate. You know, but at the end of the day, also a large percentage is analytics and um but again if if you know if, if if what we're hearing is that the players are on board then yeah I, I i think the organization needs to move forward with that because you know again one thing that we're hearing and is being reported is that you know there's 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 not a lot of people who want to come here and in a play b coach c manage this organization um, and if if this is the biggest name that's out there that is willing and able, then, yeah, I, I think the Mets need to jump on that.
7: And lastly, um, to wrap it up, so the Nets picked up uh, what I thought was a significant win last night because the conversation about them has been like, yeah, you, you have a great record. You're number one in the East, but you struggle against against the, the top tier teams. Now, Atlanta not really considered one of those top tier teams. We're looking at Milwaukee and, you know, Philly and Chicago and Miami uh, as the bunch, but 113-105 in Atlanta for the Nets to go out there and do that last night. Pretty impressive. Kevin Durant gave you 31 points. James Harden chipped in with 20 points and 11 assists. But my question to you, Anita, is uh, it's well-documented the struggles uh, with this team, and it's pretty much that James Harden isn't the same player he was prior to the hamstring injury last year. Because if you remember, you know, with Durant and Irvin missing a lot of games last year when it was just Harden running the show, the Nets were pretty good. There, You know, he was in the MVP conversation just off the strength of how good this team looked with him, you know, being the head of the operation. But now we're removed from that and we see this new iteration of James Harden um do you think the Nets can win a championship if Kyrie Irving doesn't return? Can KD and, and James Harden just them to lead this team to a title?
2: I I don't. Um you know, heading into the season, my uh my my picks were the Miami Golden State Warriors. And were, Golden State. Miami and Golden State. Those were my picks heading into the season. And I know Miami's struggling right now. They've they they've been dealing with some some injuries, injuries. with Bam and and, and Jimmy obviously Butler. Jim, Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, but it's a long season. I, I think they get back into the groove and, and, and I think, I think it's, as we know, it's it's a competitive conference and, So uh, is know.
7: that, was that um, pre-season prediction predicated on Irving not, yes. or, or was it, did, did that not even factor into it?
2: No, of course. In other I mean, words, if he, if, if he if, comes if back. This, if this whole, if this whole Kyrie Irving thing wasn't happening and it was the big three, I, I probably would have picked the Nets.
7: So if he comes back, like, are you changing your mind because as it's as it's constructed right now uh, the Nets and Heat if they both won their first round series would play in the second round of the playoffs which would be so much fun mm-hmm. um but if if Irving does come back would it would that cause you to you know change your opinion or are you still going to stick with Miami
2: I just if he comes back like, at what point in time does he come back cuz he comes back then you know how easy is it for them to just like kind of pick up where they left off yeah. last year? You know what I mean? Like it's gonna be it's like does he does he come back a month before the playoffs start or does he come up come back like a week before the playoffs? And start? also,
7: what's like, the attitude around the team that like, knowing that? Yeah, you just I would went imagine. Through... Don't
2: you? Wouldn't you want to imagine that? Like, like uh, you know, I'm pissed off. Yeah. Like if I'm if I'm if I'm Kevin Durant and I'm Harden, like I'm pissed off. Like, dude, what the? Like I came here to play with you. I came here for a big three. Like, what is this? Like, like, we I, just I, like- went
7: through an excruciating season, uh, and you get to just pull up a month before the playoffs, and, yeah, hey, guys, I'm back. Like that, I mean, the attitude... Uh, you, you have an, an entire roster of players. Like, you need to be clicking on all cylinders, not just on the court, but chemistry matters off the court as well. So you, you're bringing a, a guy like that who's obviously talented. He's one of, one of the best players in the league. He's, you know, been there, done that. He's a champion. He's hit big shots, but... The way he's handled this situation, you do wonder uh, how would how it would play in that locker room? Hands
2: down, hands down for sure.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Uh,
1: uh. Check it out
7: now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh.
2: That song only means one thing. Cynthia Freeland joins us now on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, Cynthia. How you doing, girlfriend?
1: I'm
2: great.
9: How are you, Anita?
2: Well, funny you should ask. My building had carbon monoxide poisoning scare, so I'm a little loopy this morning, but... Well, you you know know what's funny? I
9: and we had left the stove on and we have like we're I basically carbon monoxide
2: myself stop wait a minute this is too coincident this is a quidinky dink come on stop it no I'm serious I'm serious do you have you have uh you have burners what do you have you you obviously must have burners yeah the gas burner you have the gas gas burner and (laughs) all
9: walked in and I was like it smells like gas in here I was
2: like oh my gosh and now all the windows are open it's crazy yeah so um I'm, I'm a little loopy today but I think I've been doing all right on the show listen I'm, I'm, I'm an hour and 35 minutes in I, I can do another hour and 30 I'm good um you got it you, you but got uh, it. En- enough enough about me uh let's start with the team in town and that is the Saints getting ready to take on the Jets I was <laughs> I just you know me I'm a huge Taysom Hill fan right and um and so when when the the opposing teams come to town they typically stay at the W in Hoboken, so uh, tongue in cheek I was like should I be should I be that stalker who like you know goes and in, in, in see if you know who's dining where tonight because I I've, I think it's kind know. of
9: funny that you're blowing up their spot right there you know oh everybody, like everybody everybody if you everybody knows
2: everybody knows and. and yeah, everybody knows where they stay. You know, it's just, it's that's the typical, that's the spot that they stay. I mean, not all of them do. I'd say maybe 80% of the teams. I could be very wrong. But nonetheless, um, I love the fact that Taysom Hill is starting. This is his opportunity for interceptions last week. No bueno. But this is his opportunity to really kind of the next few weeks show the Saints like, hey, I'm worthy of a shot. I'm worthy of a chance to be the starting quarterback heading into next season. And he has got a really favorable matchup this week against the Jets. How do you see this game playing out?
9: I think that it's going to be a low-scoring game, and I think that the Saints win pretty much going away. But I think Taysom Hill doesn't have anything left to prove because that man has been paid. So he's got all upside for him. He's going to go out there and just have fun because what are they going to do? They just gave him a great extension. I wish anyone would love me as much as, you know, they love (laughs) him down there in New Orleans.
2: Yeah, but here's the thing. He makes like an extra, what, $20 million a year if he's the starting quarterback. Like the deal, know, like but... the deal, the deal, like ups tremendously if if he's appointed the starting quarterback next year.
9: I get it, but I think like you know it's like one of those things like if you if you try to like squeeze it too hard, it just doesn't work out. You just got to like go have fun, show him that you can do it. You're now you have like your floor has been pretty set. You know he's in, he's in good shape, kind of no matter what. Just go out there and have fun. I think that's the best strategy for him.
2: I like that. I like that. All right. Meanwhile, for the Giants, uh, they're on the West Coast uh, in your neck of woods. I don't know. Maybe they're at a hotel near. Maybe they're at a hotel near you, Cynthia Freeland. But (laughs) they spent the week in Arizona. They left Miami. They went. They didn't come home. They went straight out to Arizona. They spent the week in Arizona practicing at the University of Arizona facility. And they're getting ready to take on the Chargers. Chargers dealing with a slew of COVID situations. Keenan Allen being the most prevalent, of course, that we're we're hearing is not going to be active tomorrow. But meanwhile, for the Giants, no Daniel Jones. Curious to hear what, you're he- what, what if, if you're hearing anything in regard to his neck injury. Is it more significant than what we're hearing? And also Mike Glennon is going to get the start. Your thoughts on this matchup?
9: Well... I just read that Mike Williams and Chris Harris Jr. are both on track to be to be available for tomorrow, so oh, that helps because like that's very helpful. I mean, and in, in daily fantasy, a Mike Williams situation is like going to be a really good pick at the wideout position. So, you know, that's news for if you're a Chargers fan. I think this one's an interesting matchup in general. I do think that the Chargers take this one pretty pretty handily, just because there are just so many injuries and confusion on the Giants team that. You know this this Chargers team needs to have this game in order to make the playoffs. So I think they they understand the assignment. I think.
2: Um, I, I was saying earlier the slate of games this week in the NFL are really exciting, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. and and <laughs> I, I, I and I'm sure, like you know, you as somebody who you know you you commentate and you've got your own analytics and you're really good at them in regard to plays that you really might have a lot of plays that you love one week or maybe there's a week that you're like, you know what? I like a lot of stuff. I don't love a lot of stuff. I love a lot of stuff this week, but that That typically that scares me a little bit. Um, but (laughs) so like, for example, and, and call me crazy, but like, I love the Washington football team plus four against the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to play them plus four. I'm going to tease them up to plus 10 and I'm gonna play them on the money line. Like, like I think Washington wins outright um thoughts on on your match on, on this matchup to you
9: that was a coin flip to me so i like what you're doing there with the four and the 10 points i think both of those are smart i think the money line's smart for value i i truly this one is it it if you look and you stack up all the different like points for each side meaning like you've seen washington give up the most touchdowns to passes of 10 plus air yards they have given up the worst pass rating to passes of 10 plus air yards but then you see okay well they're they're also they're, they're able to stop the run and they're able to on offense they're able to use antonio Gibson to just like really like drain the clock and kind of exert their will so there's enough pluses on either side where i truly believe this one is closer to a coin flip So the money line one to me like i just i have the cowboys winning by one point so i think that four and ten is super smart and i and i they could easily win it outright as well
2: 49ers against the Bengals. um early gambler gets the worm. I got this at the 49ers plus one and a half on Monday. And now the line is totally switched. Now it's 49ers minus one and a half minus two in some places. I think this pinky injury, even though every, all the reports we're hearing is that Joe Burrow is throwing the ball just fine at practice, yada, yada, yada. Also uh, Joe Mixon has had an illness, non COVID related, but has not been feeling well this week. Uh, T Higgins dealing with an ankle issue. And with the 49ers with Trent Williams and Greg Kittle healthy, man, that, that that's they're a good team. I, I like I like the 49ers here. I love the fact that I got them at plus money on Monday, but it's still sitting at minus one and a half, minus two in some places. I'm still on the 49ers side. Where are you? Well, this one's nice it's kind of a
9: stay away for me. I'm I'm completely with you if all of you are healthy. I got you. And I I really like the fact that you know, if you're a if you're a Niner fan or if you're on the Niners side of this, you could also add the fact that linebacker for the Bengals Logan Wilson is probably not you know coming back this year so that's a good stop against like where George Kittle likes to run his routes but mm-hmm. I'm concerned about the rest of it I mean Elijah Mitchell isn't playing they already ruled him out and then Debo we we don't know game time and then like all of their corners are all questionable or not playing so the secondary being so banged up scares me and it's Fred Warner playing like that they're very different if he's there or not so this is kind of a to me, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to make too many bold predictions on this one specifically because it's truly going to come down to that injury report of who's active. And, and then, by the way, it doesn't even matter if it's, like, who's active or not. Like, are they actually injured? Because Joe Burrow's going to be active and he's going to play, but is the pinky finger a, a really big problem? I, I truly – we I don't have a good beat on that. Like, in – that's too hard for me to, to kind of, I'm going to watch this one because I think this one's interesting from the standpoint of like, you know, both of these teams need the win in order to, you know, help themselves get a chance at the postseason. So, but it's a, it's a tricky one with all the injuries for me.
2: All right. Uh, I lay, I I've saved the best two for last, and that's the bills going up against the Buccaneers. And um, I I really, I, I, I love the bills here. Last night, I, I host a, a gambling show here on 98.7 ESPN called Week in Wager, brought to you by BetMGM Sports. And I had a very dear friend of mine, I play golf with him at Upper Montclair Country Club, Randy Robles, and he's been with the Elias Sports Bureau for over 20 years. And, um, and so he, listen, listen to this stat, right? Tampa Bay has the number one offense this season. The Bills have the number one defense in 12 games that that has happened in the history of the NFL where the number one offense has gone up against the number one defense. Um, The defense has won 10 to two against the spread.
9: I mean, that's, that's very compelling. The problem is, is without Tredavious white, are they still the number one defense? That's my only concern.
2: Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, You know, but I I just, I I like the pressure. I want to say what pressure rate is 30%. Opposing quarterbacks are averaging less than 60% completion percentage. And we both know, right. you know, Tom Brady doesn't like to get touched at all. Like just even a pinky. I don't like, either. Even...
9: Me, me and Tom Brady are like that. Like don't touch me. Like I'm I'm with him don't, on that. I don't don't
2: touch don't that. touch me. Don't touch me. I'm just a quarterback in the NFL, <laughs> but don't touch me. You're not supposed to touch me. Yep. Um,
9: exactly. I'm with him on it. I get that. I've, I've, I'm picking that up exactly. I totally read that.
2: So, bills plus no, Bills but, plus three and a half. What are, are you are you playing this game or no? Are you staying away from this one as well.
9: Well, I'm only staying away from this because I've my heart's kind of in this one now because I spent the preseason with the Bills, so my math has the Bucks and my and my heart has the Bills, so that's the kind of situation where like what do like what do I win on either one, right? Like, and I do love Todd Bowles, so there's like people I like on both sides of this, but you know, look, like I, I think this is an interesting matchup because. You know, the Bills really need, you know, it'll likely come down. Their postseason is likely to come down to that second matchup with the Patriots. However, if they can manage to win this game, that would set them up in a much different situation. It would make things very different going to that second Patriots matchup. So, you know, I I think they need it. I I want the Bills to win. I'm on the side of the Bills from like a, I think it's more fun. I like chaos. I don't like the same teams being good every single season. So, you know, I, I, I would say I think the Bucks win this one and my math, that thinks the Bucks win this one why because without Tredavious White even though they have the best safety duo in the league I don't know if they can all the different pass catchers that they're going to have to stop this is a defensive front that is very good at rushing the pass but they have a hard time stopping the run and what happened last game scared me a little bit meaning the Patriots ran the same play over and over again over and over again and they didn't adjust and you can't not adjust against Tom Brady
2: Last but not least, again Cynthia Freeland joining us here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. You can see her all over the NFL Network each and every week and uh, throughout the morning on Sunday, uh, Monday night, man, Rams and the Cardinals. Uh, I, I love, I, I love the Cardinals. They're at home minus two and a half. Like, I, like I just don't understand. Like, why isn't this line three and a half? I don't understand. Like, I, I would, I, I just, I, I don't. Cardinals better team uh, now. You know, Cooper Cup. I, I know he was able to practice yesterday, but he's dealing with some kind of toe issue. You know, um, the Rams—they look great on paper, but they just haven't been able to bring it together. Like, I just—I I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals like roll in this matchup, and you can get them at minus two and a half. This might be my favorite play this week. What say you?
9: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I have a five point win for the Cardinals, so that's a for me that's a pretty significant difference from two and a half. Anytime any something's double like that, then I really like it because I think it's just a, a mispriced thing. And I think basically what you're what you're seeing there is the fact that like. You know, people are like the Rams have to win this one. Their season depends on it. They sold out to get all of these different pieces, and Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. And they must win. And then I look to see, and I'm like, their offensive line can be beat very easily. Ask the Titans. You know, you like they just got rolled early, and it's not Matthew Stafford's fault. It's the fact that pressure coming right in his face. And then, by the way, once you get down in a hole and then you're going to have to pass to get out of that hole, it makes things even more difficult on your play caller, right? So, and not even just, you know, on, on Sean McVay, not even just on Matthew Stafford. So, you know, like I, I, I look at this and I think people are undervaluing the Cardinals' defense a little bit. And I think that's a little, I think it's disrespectful to their defense. Like, Buda Baker has had a ridiculous season he's epic and chandler jones has done a really good job up front even without jj watt they're able to get pressure at a really nice rate that's going to be a problem for that for that o-line so i'm with you on that one completely
2: again cynthia freeland joining us here on 98.7 espn as always we turn our attention to fantasy football we always like to get cynthia's plays of guys that might be flying a little bit low on the radar and as always cynthia we start with the quarterbacks who do you like
9: I mean you gotta put Jason Hill in there, right? I mean Taysom Hill could be your number <laughs> I said it on Fantasy Live earlier this week, Taysom Hill could easily be your number one quarterback for fantasy yes. purposes this week. Yes. I mean, if if even with Alvin Kamara there, like I think both of them are crazy, but they're missing so many other pieces. Like I think they just go out there and figure out like it's very hard to stop Taysom Hill and if your defense is at full force and the Jets are missing pieces on defense. So I think I think that's going to be my favorite. under the, I don't even know if he's under the radar anymore, but he's low-cost on DFS, which is kind of my proxy for under the radar.
2: Love it. Uh, some other quarterbacks I like, tell me if you do as well. Cam Newton against Atlanta, Heineke against Love. Dallas, and Jimmy Garoppolo against Cincinnati. Some other guys I'm looking at.
9: Yeah, I, my problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is sometimes I just like It ends up being good for you in fantasy, but, like, it is hard to watch sometimes. You're like, oh, this is boring. Oh, like, am I going to get fantasy points from this? But, yes, I mean, it's good for your – who cares? And your bottom line ends up good with Garoppolo.
2: Uh, Let's talk about some running backs. Who do you have?
9: All right. So, whoever is going to play against the – well, so the Lions are missing, like, all of their pieces. Whoever they start is worth a DFS flyer. The Lions have almost no one playing. Like Wins just went on the uh, COVID reserve list. Uh, TJ Hawkins, the question: All these people are not playing, so that's an interesting play. If you again, it is super risky, but it is. Isn't one it that Godwin?
2: Could be, could be very isn't difficult. it? Isn't it Godwin? Igwabuki. Yep, I just
9: don't want to try to say it.
2: Okay, I just <laughs> I, think I, I tried. Igu- I tried. Luque. I could be wrong. I don't know. No, but... I'm
9: glad you did. I'm glad you did. I should know. The Lions are my team. I don't even know who they're. Five,
2: yeah, I think it's Godwin Igw. Igu- Iguibuque. Yeah, and, and, iguibuque and and yeah, and he's probably I think a bit, people it. probably don't even Cynthia Freeland doesn't even know how to pronounce his name people probably don't nope. even know it hashtag run don't want. go pick him up and get him in as your flex play <laughs> this week yes yeah, yeah. um, and you're
9: going to want to play David Montgomery people are question I think that's a big question people have gotten uh, you know I was the Bears play the Packers and the game script does not necessarily mean run but I think David Montgomery is still a good play this week too
2: wide receivers
9: Wide receiver. So, you know, I, I, I hate to kind of go keep going back to the same well, but, you know, you've got to look at Josh Reynolds at the, for the Lions, too. Again, when no one's playing, the volume goes to the guys who they have familiarity with, and Jared Goff has familiarity with Josh Reynolds. He saw it two games ago. So I think that one could be one if you're really looking for someone that, you know, uh, we're talking under the radar. I'm not suggesting that you're going to play him over one of the big guys, right, like, you know, anyone normal. I'm talking about really low cost. Opportunity, uh,
2: and last but not least, tight end.
9: Well, who else is playing for the Browns? I don't know Austin Hooper. That's the only one I could tell you. So that could be a good pick too. But if you want to go, this one's an interesting. This is a, a coming out of University of Miami. First time I've recommended anyone on the Texans because I hate them as, as kind of like a team and his strategy this year. But Brevin Jordan could have a nice game this week too.
2: Yeah, I, I've I've been hearing a, a lot of buzz about him as well. What about Ricky Seals Jones? No, uh, Logan Thomas. He's out. Ricky Seals Jones was able to practice yesterday when he has been able to step in hip. Obviously must not be a factor. I don't know. I think that I could like be it. Sneak- I just,
9: it could be a very sneaky, good play. My, my only fear is like, I, again, I get really nervous with injuries. Cause I think this year more than any year, like I think people are like playing at like, with kind of have these right. Like he so could put him on a pitch count. What if they get up? Like, i don't know these are these are ones where i'm like these injury things are this year injuries especially running back injuries like i have no idea i thought dalvin cook would be a fade because who who dislocates their shoulder and then 10 mm-hmm. days later makes nfl history like good for him for being able to do that but it seems low low probability
2: she's cynthia freeland um always uh, so kind to join us each and every saturday afternoon here on 98.7 espn please know how much i appreciate you my friends uh enjoy week 14 oh, you know the feeling future anything for you anita I appreciate you time love you girl
0: you're listening to anita marks on 98.7 espn
2: here comes the money that's right joe Wiz on 98.7 espn brought to you by play joe good afternoon how you doing
10: Everything's going great here. We're waiting for this big storm to arrive and getting ready for the Army Navy to kick off and uh, have some fun here.
2: Yeah, I, I just I got an alert on my phone not too long ago. Hoboken is expecting 50 to 60 mile per hour winds. So what, what's that yes. about? I, I, know you, I know you're not a weatherman, but what, what do you know?
10: Well, basically I'm hearing that the storm is going to be really bad. Um, Hopefully they they can get through the game at MetLife. The Army-Navy game kicks off at 3 p.m. Normally the football game will be three and a half, four hours. Um, So, you know, they said that the majority of the storm is going to come through here around 7 p.m. with the high winds. I already see the winds and feel the winds happening right now. So that wind could be a factor, um, especially uh, with these two teams. But um, they run the ball, so maybe they'll run the ball and keep the the clock going and uh, the game will be out of there by 6 o'clock.
2: Yeah, so the game starts at 3 o'clock. Army, Navy at MetLife Stadium. My good friend Tina Cervasio is over there. She'll be on the sidelines. So if you're heading out to the games, make sure you give her a big shout out. Um, she's one of the nicest people I know in my entire life. But with that being said, Army, Navy, uh, what's your play here? Army is favored by seven.
10: Yeah, totals. Uh, totals at 36. Um, this these two teams when they meet, Anita, there's one stat is so glaring you can't ignore it. 15 in a row have gone under the total between Army and Navy. Now throwing a little bit of the wind factor, it's starting to start pick up here. We know the strange winds over at uh, the old Giant Stadium in the same scenario, MetLife Stadium. I like the total to go under, under 36, and I think it's going to be a close game here. Um, you know, uh, when you take a look at it here, uh, they're very competitive, and the thing is here, Navy has been played a very tough. Schedule. They played Houston, SMU, Memphis, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame. Those are all bowl teams here. So even though Navy's record's 3-8, and eight, you could throw it out the window when you have this big rivalry here. Low-scoring affair, don't be surprised if you get the dog with the cover. Go Navy.
2: All right, uh, let's turn our attention to what's going on in the NFL, San Francisco and Cincinnati. I got San Francisco plus 1.5 on Monday. I always tell people, you know, there's a line out there that you see on Sunday night or Monday morning, jump on it. I sure enough did. Now that line is switched. Now San Francisco minus one and a half, minus two in some places. Avi, I'm on the San Francisco side. What side are you on here, Joe?
10: Yeah, Anita, it's great that you brought up this game because I've been getting a lot of calls and texts today asking about the line move on this game here, and some people have to pay attention when there's a line move in a game. People want to know if it's the smart money, if it's injuries, what's going on here, because uh, Cincinnati opened up as a one-point favorite. Now we see the line San Francisco minus one and a half, and a lot of this line movement has to do with the situation with the Cincinnati Bengals with quarterback Barrow. We're still not sure have these 100%? We'll probably never know. You know how these injury reports go. We go all the way back to the Super Bowl and what happened with uh, Kid But uh, when you look at it here, they also have linebacker Logan, uh, who's out He's out for the season, and uh, some of their linemen, Riley Riff and Trey Hopkins. So The reason why this line has moved is because of the injuries. Um, I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair, I'd rather take a look at the total. There's too many injuries to go by without Cincinnati, without knowing the status of Barrow. Cincinnati has gone over five of the last six games, and San Francisco has gone over five of the last seven games here. I'm expecting a high-scoring affair to total uh, in this game here right now is at 48 and a half 49 let's go over
2: all right uh right here in our own backyard you've got the Jets and they're hosting the Saints uh Saints are uh, bringing Taysom Hill you know what a huge fan I am of his um the Saints are favored by six and a half where uh, where are you on this line
10: yeah, I'm, I see some lines here. If I, I'd love to take the six and a half. Um, I see five and a half, but I'll be happy to take the six and a half because I'm on the dog here, Anita. Um, I know Taysom Hill, and you're a big fan of him, and Kamara's back in the lineup, but I just can't trust a team like New Orleans that has lost five in a row. It's the first time ever under Sean Payton, and that happens when you lose an all star quarterback like a uh, Hall of Future Hall of Famer in uh, quarterback Breeze. Um, but Taysom Hill, he can run, but I don't trust him passing the ball, Anita. He had four interceptions and killed me against Dallas. I had him in that game. I like to be transparent. So here the Jets. If Zach Wilson can repeat the performance he had last week in the first half, 12 or 14, 108 yards and two touchdowns, Jets might win the game outright. But I'm taking the Jets plus the points regardless here. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think the Jets, um, I think, takes him the way he plays and he likes to run the ball, fits into the style of the Jets' defensive scheme here. I'm taking the Jets plus the six, six-and-a-half uh, in that ballpark. I like the Jets and possible upset but definitely taking the points.
2: All right, you've got the Ravens going up against the Browns. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are favored by three. Ravens getting a, a you know, I, I love I road dogs this season, especially getting three, three and a half. Uh, I like the Ravens here. Where are you?
10: Yeah, when you look at it here, the line has Cleveland moved up to – it opened two. It's now up to three, and the total scheme is at 43. Uh, Lamar Jackson had four interceptions the last time these two teams met two weeks ago, and uh, Baltimore won that game 16-10. Uh, to 10. Um, You know, the Cleveland rushing attack was non-existent the last time they met. Chubb and Kareem only had 36 rushing yards here. I expect them to be able to run a little bit more here. I don't trust Baker Mayfield. I think you have Baltimore, who's the better team and has a lot more to play for. They still have a shot at the number one seed in the A. FC and also have to protect it because they have the Bengals coming up next. Um, so my recommendation this game, I am also on the dog here. I think Baltimore at plus three and on the money line, we're going to the bank with the Ravens.
2: Love it. So just to uh recap Joe Wiz's NFL picks, he's on San Francisco, Cincinnati over 14 and a half. He likes the Jets getting five and a half, and he also likes Baltimore plus three. Uh before I let you go. Earlier, I I wrote a column tonight, this earlier today, for the game tonight with Curry going up against the 76ers, an opportunity to uh, break that three-point record, take it from Ray Allen. Tip-off is at 840. Now, I'm going to tee this up for you. Curious to get your thoughts on this. Um, So he can break this record in three places. One, tonight in Philadelphia with his brother, Seth Curry, on the court as well, right? Uh, Then they go to Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. And then, and then they're here in New York um, at the Garden on, on the 14th. I'm betting that the significance of where he breaks the record is just as important as breaking the record. So you could wager he needs 10 three-pointers to break the record. Okay? He, four times this season, he's, he has four games that he has shot nine three-pointers Uh, The last time, the most he shot in a game was 11, and that was back in May. So it could be done, right? And I do believe he goes for it tonight. To bet that it happens tonight against the 76ers is plus 425. To bet that he does it against the Knicks is plus 300. Mark Stein is reporting that if he does not break the record in Philadelphia against the 76ers, that Steve Kerr and the Warriors are going to rest him in Indiana and then we'll play him in New York at the Garden against the Knicks. So follow me here. Plus four twenty five tonight, plus three hundred against the Knicks on the fourteenth. So I'm gonna put a hundred dollars on tonight. I'm gonna put a hundred dollars on the Knicks on the fourteenth, because I do I I am believing in Mark Stein's report that there's a possibility that they rest him. And therefore I'm I'm pretty much hedging my bet. What what are your thoughts on that play?
10: I like to bet with them to play at the Garden at plus 300 um, because, you know, most of the times there aren't that many records that are paid attention to. I think this one is a big one here. Kerr has some connections to New York as well, and he was supposed to be head coach at one time in New York. Remember that? But uh, when you take a look at it here, I, I like I like to bet at plus 300. Um, I know that Golden State favored today uh, the road uh, at Philadelphia. Um, and ironically, you know, and, Golden State of a record, 21-4, and you know, and they have 17-7 and against the spread. They play a lot of unders, and everyone thinks that they're a high-scoring game, but really not the case. Eight of their last nine games, seven of their last eight games have gone under the total, and Philly has been struggling on offense as well. As far as tonight's game, I like the under, but as far as that bet that, that you just mentioned with the scenario, whether he breaks it tonight, which would be a tough task, that's why the uh, it's plus 425. I like it at plus 300, um, uh, especially if you got that information. Um, so First, I'm hearing of it, but if your information is accurate. And they're going to rest them uh, next uh, against the Pacers at the Garden at plus 300. You do very well with these uh, prop bets, so uh, I'm going to ride you on uh, taking the three to plus to the plus to 300 today. Well, uh, again, <laughs> well, again is good.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it's not my information, it's, it's Mark Stein. He's been covering the NFL, the, the NFL, he's been covering the NBA for quite a while, over a decade. Um, and I do know him, he, he's he's pretty spot on. Uh, again, he's saying that there's a consideration, he's not saying that it's going to happen. So you're betting on something that there's not a confirmation. But again, I'm hedging my bet. So if I put $100 down on plus 425 tonight and $100 down on plus 300 on the Knicks on the 14th, either which way, really what I'm doing is I'm betting that it's not going to happen in Indiana is what I'm doing.
10: Absolutely. So. If it it's doesn't gonna... happen in Indiana, you're going to make money regardless of how it happens. And and even right. if he does play in Indiana, it's possible that he still could land, land in New York. So it's a safe bet. I think it's a very, you know, it's a good return on investment. ROI. I talk about it all the time on my show. By the way, my show's on tomorrow morning, Anita, at 6 a.m., so I'll be leading right into your fantasy show. Everyone that wants to get all the football winners, uh, and we have them on the fine line at 6 a.m. tomorrow. And, uh, of course, uh, I'm going to get down on some of that action. That's a good bet. You got the plus 425. If he doesn't play in the Pacers, you got some money in the bank.
2: There you go.